Open your Bibles, if you would, to the book of Exodus, chapter 20. Exodus, chapter 20. I'm going to be reading just the first two verses. Exodus, chapter 20. Let us hear the word of God. And God spoke... All these words saying, I am the Lord, your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. This is the word of the Lord. I don't think we have to spend much time debating or discussing the fact that we live in a broken down world. This world has been broken down since the garden, right? Since the fall through Adam and Eve, our, our spiritual, if not also literal fathers, father and mother, we are their descendants. And like them, uh, we are predisposed to sin. We are sinners by nature. And so we really shouldn't be surprised, should we, that This is a broken down world. You get a few billion people together and all kinds of not so pleasant things can happen. From personal hardships and difficulties that people have with themselves to relationships with other people to nations disputing with other nations to crime to disease, all sorts of things, famine, floods. It's a broken down world. As Christians, we know that will not always be the case, however. There's going to be a new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells, and there will be no broken downness in this world anymore. But for now, how do we manage ourselves in this broken down world? Well, God gives us 10 words for a broken down world. And I use the phrase 10 words because nowhere in the Bible does the phrase the 10 commandments, uh, is it found? We have come up with that. And really, literally what is said here are the 10 words, the Decalogue. That's two words, comes from two words, which means 10 words. And so we're thinking of 10 statements, if you will, 10 words that God has given, only 10. Now, that's an amazing thing in itself. Here in America, our nation was founded with a strong conviction that those 10 commandments given in the word of God are vital to the well-being of a nation, not to speak of to the well-being of people's spiritual lives. In 12 of the original 13 colonies, the Ten Commandments in their entirety were incorporated into their civil and criminal laws. The words of these 10 laws are inscribed, of course, on many of our government buildings. And until fairly recently, the Ten Commandments have been publicly displayed without 
difficulty. Of course, we all know that there have been protests against that. Violation of church and state and all of that kind of thing. And so in many ways, in many ways, our national history and our heritage are rooted in the principles that these 10 commandments given so long ago to Moses on Mount Sinai are absolutely essential to know them and to live by them. So many uh, countries in our world, any, just about any country that has any kind of, of uh, laws on their books have laws that at least in part include things that are given to us in the Ten Commandments. Laws such as you're not supposed to murder and if you do, you're going to be in trouble. Don't steal. You know, some of the more obvious things, where do they come from? God's wisdom as found in the Ten Commandments. <clears throat> there was a survey a few years ago that uh, Reuters News Service came up with, and <clears throat> it, was, it, it became quite well known uh, in the country, and, and I'm glad it did. <clears throat> they did a survey, and they found out that only 14% of Americans could name the Ten Commandments, but uh, not to worry, 25% of all Americans can name the seven ingredients in a Big Mac. You know, two all beef patties and special sauce, all of that. Nearly three out of four people could name all of the three stooges. And more than one in three knew all six kids from the Brady Bunch. For some of you who don't know, that was a TV show. We know that kind of stuff. We know our favorite players' uh, stats for baseball or football or soccer or whatever the case may be. We can recite uh, our alma mater's uh, song uh, and, and all of that, but we don't even know what the Ten Commandments are as a society. And so it's no wonder that we're in a broken down world. Frank Barker, many of you remember Frank Barker or know that name. He's preached here before and he's in glory now. Founding pastor of Briarwood Presbyterian Church in Birmingham. He had a great way of putting things quite simply. And he said this one time, if we don't know any better, we can't do any better. Now, that's, that's deep and profound theology. It really is. If we don't know any better, we can't do any better. If you don't know the Ten Commandments, you can't live the Ten Commandments. Only to the extent, I would say, that your conscience sometimes tells you that something's right or wrong. But to specifically know the, the, the words of the Ten Commandments makes it clear, crystal clear. Now, uh, I have to admit that uh, America has tried its best to come up with <clears throat> laws that will supposedly benefit the people in our country. We've got laws upon laws upon laws. 
There's a trick question that uh, PCA minister asked uh, when he was writing about the Ten Commandments. Kevin DeYoung, he's got a great little book on the Ten Commandments, by the way. And uh, he said, do you know how many laws there are in the United States? And he said, that's a trick question. Because nobody knows how many laws there are in the United States. We every year, more and more and more laws added to our books to the point now to where we're just drowning in a sea of laws. There are 20,000 laws on the books simply regulating gun ownership. 20,000? In 2010, an estimated 40,000 new laws were added at various levels throughout the country, just in that one year. The United States Code, which is just an accounting of federal laws and does not include regulatory statutes, has more than 50 volumes. And lo and behold, the Lord only needed 10 words. 10 words. Now, are the Ten Commandments, and here we're getting into a more important, deeper question, are the Ten Commandments still vital for Christians today? Not even thinking about people in general. Are they still vital for Christians today? And should they still have a role in our secular society? Even deeper, we could ask, is there even such a thing as absolute morality, absolute right and wrong, absolute laws that apply to everyone? We're going to try to answer those questions as we take a fresh look at the Ten Commandments. But I want us today just to think about the, the run-up to the giving of the Ten Commandments themselves, sort of a prelude or prologue to the Ten Commandments. These first two verses in Exodus could be so quickly and easily dismissed. Let's get on to the commandments. But I'm going to submit to you that we cannot get on quickly to the Ten Commandments if we don't understand the context in which they're given. And when we do understand the context, we will be motivated and able to be serious about living by the Ten Commandments. Now, I know there are some people who are saying, we don't need the Ten Commandments anymore. We're New Testament Christians. We're not under law. We're under grace, that kind of thing. But I also would submit to you that every book in the New Testament has some sort of reference to the Ten Commandments. They're still in play. We just read that earlier. I'm glad it worked out that way that we were reading Matthew 5, where Jesus said, I didn't come to abolish the law. I came to fulfill it. He kept it perfectly and he enables those who are his by faith alone to keep them as well. We will not keep them perfectly, but we will keep them as best as God's grace enables us to. And we should for our good and for his glory. So I want you to notice a few things here. Well, and I, let me just say, on the other hand, there are people who say we're not under law we're under grace. But there are other people who maybe swing too far to the other side and say that we've got to keep every aspect of the Old Testament law. 
No, that's not the case. There are three kinds of laws in the Old Testament. The moral law, the civil law, and the uh, worship law, if I'll put it that way. The moral law is what's still in play. The civil law and the, the regulations for uh, Old Testament worship have been done away with with Christ. The moral law is what's still in play, and that's the Ten Commandments. <clears throat> the Ten Commandments can also be summarized as the Great Commandment. Love God, love your neighbor. Now, first thing I want you to notice here, the Ten Commandments are the words of God to mankind. Verse 1 of chapter 20. And God spoke all these words, saying, what in the world can we get out of that? <laughs> we can get out of that the fact that God was speaking to the people of Israel. God, just think about that. God comes down to the mountain and speaks. That doesn't happen every day. Very, very rare in the Bible. God came down to the mountain and he spoke through Moses, but he was speaking to the people. So it's not just another voice uh, that claims to be an authority and you need to listen to what he has to say. There's all kind of voices out there saying this is how you should live and this is what's going to solve our problems. This is God. God spoke. The setting here is in chapter 19. You may remember how the, the people of Israel were gathering around Mount Sinai. And in chapter 19, at verse 16, we get this amazing description of what it was like for them to gather around the mountain as God was coming down to speak. Verse 16 says, on the morning of the third day, there were thunders and lightnings and a thick cloud on the mountain and a very loud trumpet blast so that all the people in the camp trembled. In verse 18, now Mount Sinai was wrapped in smoke because the Lord had descended on it in fire. The smoke of it went up like the smoke of a kiln. And the whole mountain trembled greatly. <clears throat> and as the sound of the trumpet grew louder and louder, Moses spoke and God answered him in thunder. The Lord came down on Mount Sinai to the top of the mountain and the Lord called Moses to the top of the mountain and Moses went up. There's no way that we can really fully grasp what that would have been like. If I can say this without it being disrespectful, these were the ultimate special effects. Smoke, thunder, trumpets, lightning. It must have been just, it would have caused people just to fall on their faces. Something amazing, something Terrible in a sense <clears throat> and wonderful at the same time was about to take place. God wanted them to know that he was there. He's there. And this fearsome, 
awesome revelation of God was about to give to them his 10 words. This God communicates his will directly to the people. And it is still in play today. What does God, what is God's will for me? We often ask ourselves. And we tend to think of some specific type situation. But before we can even get to those specific situations, we need to be sure we understand what we already do know about what God's will is for us. God's will for us is to obey him. God's will for us is to keep his commandments. And that is not uh, the opposite of, well, no, I want to love God. I don't have to keep his commandments. (laughs) They go together, don't they? God's will is that we love him and that we show our love for him by keeping his commandments. It's what Jesus said. John 15, if you love me, keep my commandments. And so there's where we learn right away about God's will for us. And the beauty of this is that God communicates his will to us directly. He did it through the word of God. He spoke to Moses and gave him these words. God spoke all these words. He came himself. In Deuteronomy, you don't need to turn to it, but Deuteronomy 5 verse 4. We read this. The Lord spoke with you, talking to the people here, face to face at the mountain out of the midst of the fire. Face to face. Now that doesn't mean we can directly see God. We know that's not the case. He's a spirit. But in terms of the impact, God was as close to them and speaking as clearly to them as one possibly could. You know, sometimes you, Talking to somebody by way of text or email just doesn't cut it, right? And so we say, I need to have a face-to-face with you where you can communicate as clearly, forthrightly as you possibly can. That's what God is doing here, face-to-face. He used words that people could hear. He used words that people could understand. There's no need to wonder what God expects of us. Dr. McKelvey is preaching on 1 John. We're kind of taking the tag team approach here during these interim months where Dr. McKelvey's coming when he can and then I pinch hit for him when I can. But he's just started preaching on 1 John and I'm starting now preaching on the Ten Commandments. Hopefully you won't get those confused too much. Which sermon was by who and all that doesn't matter, but we just need to learn and grow. But in 1 John 1, Dr. McKelvey pointed out what we have seen, what we have heard, what we've handled with our hands. We declare to you, God is light and in, in him there is no darkness at all. God has spoken. God has revealed his will. That's one reason why we need to know the Ten Commandments. And that's one reason why a great way to learn the Ten Commandments and what they mean is not only memorizing Exodus 21 through 17, 
not 3 through 17, 1 through 17 with the, what we're doing today. We need to learn those. But we also can use the catechism questions and answers because they cover the Ten Commandments and what they are saying and, and how we can keep them. It's a great teaching tool to, to sort of uh, work through and, and uh, uh, lay out what the commandments are teaching us. All God's words are important for us. All of it. That's why it says God spoke all these words. God didn't say, now Moses, I'm going to give you a few hints, but you can take it from there and fill in the blanks. No, this is straight from God. And do you remember what Paul told Timothy about scripture? He said, all scripture is given by inspiration of God. All these words, we're not New Testament Christians, we're Bible Christians. And we need, to know that we need to know the whole Bible as best as we can. That's the process of once you become a Christian for the rest of your life, you should be learning the Bible. Ted Koppel, who was the uh, man who had the uh, Nightline news show at 1030 on ABC for many, many years, Ted Koppel spoke at the commencement service at Duke University one time, and <clears throat> he was talking about the Ten Commandments, and he pointed out they're not called the Ten Suggestions. Sometimes we look at them that way. Oh, yeah, that's a nice idea, but no, they're the Ten Commandments. We can call them commandments because they're referred to as commandments. They're written in the form of commandments. And so we are under obligation to God for them. When you think of the Ten Commandments, remember their source. Who gave them to us? God did. That makes a big difference in how we approach it. Now, let me just mention quickly the other two uh, points there in your outline. The Ten Commandments, secondly, reveal the will of God for mankind. I already talked about that a little bit, so I won't stress this. They reveal the will of God. Verse 2 begins by saying, I am the Lord your God. Who's giving me these commandments? We could say God, but there's more to it. I am the Lord. He's the one who has ultimate authority over everything, including us. And the term Lord also implies his covenant relationship with you and me. I'm the Lord, your God. When you and I come to faith in Christ, that's a wonderful thing that happens. The covenant belief is that God says, I will be your God and you will be my people. Redeemed people. So I'm the one talking to you. I'm talking to you as your Lord. I'm talking to you as your covenant-making and covenant-keeping God. I'm talking to you as one who is in a relationship with you because he is a personal God. Bart Simpson, that great theologian, one time said, I, I don't know in one context what cartoon it was on, but there was an idea of Bart Simpson being in heaven. 
And when he got to heaven, he said, you're not the boss of me. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I hope he found out quickly that that was not the case. And of course, all of that is just fantasy cartoons. But it was in keeping with Bart Simpson's character, from what I know, what little I know about him. You're not the boss of me. And isn't that the attitude that so many people have? Maybe they wouldn't put it so crassly. You're not the boss of me. I'm the boss of me. I'm going to do what I want to do. And in a more subtle way, what people do is they do what everybody around them is doing. You're not the boss of me. Maybe not. But you try. <laughs> you try to be the boss of yourself. So, even non-Christians are included in this. The Lord made us to be like him. He made all of us. Who is God? What is he like? He's holy. And he calls his people, his redeemed people to be holy. And to be like him is <clears throat> to keep the Ten Commandments. <clears throat> because the Ten Commandments are a reflection. <clears throat> Excuse me. They're a reflection of God's nature. God wants us to be holy because he is holy. Keeping the Ten Commandments is a way to measure how we are doing in that regard. The, wants, the Lord wants us to be conformed to his image. Now, all of that is to say that <clears throat> it will be good for a country if the people at least outwardly keep the Ten Commandments, if they don't murder, if they don't steal. The last six of the Ten Commandments especially, honoring father and mother, telling the truth, and so on. The basis for a just society rests on that fact, that in a general sense, the laws of the land are in keeping with the laws of God so that people will uh, obey the commandments as they are given to us. Don't forget the Lord will judge us on the basis of his laws also. Now, last thing to note quickly. The Ten Commandments can only be kept as God extends his grace to mankind. They can only be kept as God extends his grace to mankind. I'm saved the best for last. What does the end of verse 2 say? I'm the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. The Israelites at this point were no longer slaves like they had been in this miserable situation that had gone on for ages in a sense it seemed like in Egypt where they were having to, to increasingly bow to uh, the hardships that Pharaoh was imposing upon them. Hard labor, no happiness at all. And God, through Moses, got them out of Egypt and gave them a whole new life and a whole new hope of looking forward to going to a, a new land that would be, where they would be free. God said, don't forget that I'm your redeemer. I'm your deliverer. You're no longer slaves. Now, does that sound familiar when we think about the New Testament message? Of course it does. 
What has Christ done for us? He's delivered us from the bondage of our sin. And just as the, the Israelites in Egypt had to, to prepare for that the night before they left Egypt by offering lambs and putting the lamb's blood on their doorpost and celebrating the first Passover where the angel of death would pass over them. So Christ is our Passover who has been sacrificed for us. First Corinthians, Paul tells us that. And we are rescued from the tyranny, the bondage, the slavery that sin had in us. Christ has delivered us from that. He was cursed for us. His death frees us so that we can now be free to live for God. And the power of the Holy Spirit enables us to do that. And so we celebrate that. <clears throat> so there's a place <clears throat> for law and gospel. We don't need to hear the, the message of the church doesn't need to be, oh, Jesus loves everybody. God is love. Uh, just look to him and you'll go to heaven. A little more to it than that. The only way we're going to really appreciate the good news of our deliverance is if we first understand that we have been slaves to sin. You and I are not going to want to keep the Ten Commandments very seriously unless we realize who we are now compared to who we were before, we, before Christ changed our hearts. The same thing that happened here in Israel. So as we look at the Ten Commandments, understand who you were, who you are, and how God's will can be accomplished in your life as you live by these commandments. Would you pray that each one of us, me included, will understand these commandments as we look at them one by one uh, as we start next week with the first one, Lord willing. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for the law. We do not, Lord, want to look at it as a heavy burden, but as a joyous delight because it is the way we can concretely express our love to you and the way in which we can live lives that reflect your holiness and will bring glory and honor to you. Father, we want that. And so give us teachable hearts as we take a fresh look at these 10 words, these 10 commandments. And may we be found, Lord, by your grace, continuing to become more and more faithful to them. We pray this in the name of Christ, our Redeemer. Amen. <clears throat>